0: Quiche, Son of Quiche, by Jack London. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Quiche, Son of Quiche, by Jack London. Thus will I give six blankets, warm and double, six files, large and hard, six Hudson Bay knives, keen-edged and long, two canoes, the work of Mogum, the maker of things, Ten dogs, heavy-shouldered and strong in the harness, and three guns. "'The trigger of one be broken, but it is a good gun and can doubtless be mended.' "'Kish paused and swept his eyes over the circle of intent faces. "'It was the time of the great fishing, and he was bidding to Nob for Susu, his daughter. "'The place was the St. George Mission by the Yukon, and the tribes had gathered for many a hundred miles. From north, south, east, and west they had come, even from Tozakakat and far Tanana. And further, O Nob, thou art chief of the Tanana, and I, Kish, the son of Kish, am chief of the Thlungit. Wherefore, when my seed springs from the loins of thy daughter, there shall be a friendship between the tribes, a great friendship and Tanana and Thwangit shall be brothers of the blood in the time to come. What I have said I will do, that will I do. And how is it with you, O Nob, in this matter? Nob nodded his head gravely, his gnarled and age-twisted face inscrutably masking the soul that dwelt behind. His narrow eyes burned like twin coals through their narrow slits as he piped in a high-cracked voice, "'But that is not all!' "'What, more?' Kish demanded. "'Have I not offered full measure? "'Was there ever yet a Tanana maiden "'who fetched so great a price? "'Then name her.' "'An open snicker passed around the circle, "'and Kish knew that he stood in shame "'before these people. "'Nay, nay, good Kish, thou dost not understand,' "'Nob made a soft, stroking gesture. "'The price is fair.' It is a good price, nor do I question the broken trigger, but that is not all. What of the man? Aye, what of the man, the circle snarled. It is said, Nob's shrill voice piped, it is said that Kish does not walk in the way of his fathers. It is said that he has wandered into the dark after strange gods and that he has become afraid. The face of Kish went dark. It is a lie, he thundered. Kish is afraid of no man. It is said, old Nob piped on, that he has hearkened to the speech of the white man up at the big house and that he bends head to the white man's god and moreover that blood is displeasing to the white man's god. Kish dropped his eyes and his hands clenched passionately. The savage circle laughed derisively and in the ear of Nob whispered Madwan, the shaman, high priest of the tribe and maker of medicine. The shaman poked among the shadows on the rim of the firelight, and roused up a slender young boy whom he brought face to face with Kish, and in the hand of Kish he thrust a knife. Nob leaned forward. Kish, O Kish, darest thou to kill a man? Behold, this is Kitsnu, a slave. Strike, O Kish, strike with the strength of thy arm.' the boy trembled and waited the stroke. Quiche looked at him, and thoughts of Mr. Brown's higher morality floated through his mind, and strong upon him was a vision of the leaping flames of Mr. Brown's particular brand of hellfire. The knife fell to the ground, and the boy sighed and went out beyond the firelight with shaking knees At the feet of Nob sprawled a wolf-dog, which bared its gleaming teeth and prepared to spring after the boy. But the shaman ground his foot into the brute's body, and so doing, gave Nob an idea. "'And then, O Kish, what wouldst thou do should a man do this thing to you?' As he spoke, Nob held a ribbon of salmon to White Fang, and when the animal attempted to take it, smote him sharply on the nose with the stick. And afterward, O Kish, wouldst thou do thus? White Fang was cringing back on his belly, and fawning to the hand of Nob. Listen, leaning on the arm of Madwa, Nob had risen to his feet. I am very old, and because I am very old, I will tell thee things. Thy father, Quiche, was a mighty man. And he did love the song of the bowstring in battle. And these eyes have beheld him cast a spear till the head stood out beyond a man's body. But thou art unlike. Since thou left the raven to worship the wolf, thou art become afraid of blood, and thou makest thy people afraid. This is not good. For behold, when I was a boy, even as kits knew here, there was no white man in all the land. But they came, one by one, these white men, till now they are many, and they are a restless breed, never content to rest by the fire with a full belly, and let the morrow bring its own meat. A curse was laid upon them, it would seem, and they must work it out in toil and hardship. Kish was startled. A recollection of a hazy story told by Mr. Brown of one Adam— Of old time came to him, and it seemed that Mr. Brown had spoken true. So they laid hands upon all they behold, these white men, and they go everywhere and behold all things, and ever do more follow in their footsteps. So that if nothing can be done, they will come to possess all the land, and there will be no room for the tribes of the Raven. Wherefore it is meet that we fight with them till none are left, then will we hold the passes and the land, and perhaps our children and our children's children shall flourish and grow fat. There is a great struggle to come when wolf and raven shall grapple, but Kish will not fight, nor will he let his people fight, so it is not well that he should take to him my daughter. Thus have I spoken, I, Nob, chief of the Tanana. But the white men are good and great, Kish made answer. The white men have taught us many things. The white men have given us blankets and knives and guns, such as we have never made and never could make. I remember in what manner we lived before they came. I was unborn then, but I have it from my father. When we went on the hunt, we must creep so close to the moose that a spear cast would cover the distance. Today, we used the white man's rifle, and farther away than can a child's cry be heard. We ate fish and meat and berries, there was nothing else to eat, and we ate without salt. How many may there be among you who care to go back to the fish and meat without salt? It would have sunk home, had not Madwan one leaped to his feet, ere silence could come. And first a question to thee, Quiche. The white man up at the big house tells you that it is wrong to kill. Yet do we not know that the white men kill? Have we forgotten the great fight on the Koyukuk? Or the great fight at Neklukieto? Where three white men killed twenty of the Tosakakats? Do you think we no longer remember the three men of the Tanana that the white man Mackelrath killed? Tell me, O'Kish, why does the shaman Brown teach you that it is wrong to fight when all his brothers fight? Nay, nay, there is no need to answer, Nob piped, while Ke struggled with the paradox. It is very simple. The good man Brown would hold the raven tight whilst his brothers plucked the feathers. He raised his voice. But so long as there is one tanana to strike a blow or one maiden to bear a man-child— the raven shall not be plucked. Nob turned to a husky young man across the fire. And what sayest thou, Makamuk, who art brother to Susu? Makamuk came to his feet. A long face scar lifted his upper lip into a perpetual grin, which belied the glowing ferocity of his eyes. This day, he began with cunning irrelevance, I came by the trader Makarath's cabin and in the door I saw a child laughing at the sun, and the child looked at me with the traitor McElrath's eyes, and it was frightened. The mother ran to it and quieted it. The mother was Ziska, the Thlungit woman. A snarl of rage rose up and drowned his voice, which he instilled by turning dramatically upon Quiche with outstretched arm and accusing finger. So, you give your women away, you flung it, and come to the Tanana for more? But we have need of our women, Kish, for we must breed men, many men, against the day when the raven grapples with the wolf. Through the storm of applause, Nob's voice shrilled clear, And thou, Nassabak, who art her favorite brother? The young man was slender and graceful, with the strong aquiline nose and high brows of his type but from some nervous affliction the lid of one eye drooped at odd times in a suggestive wink. Even as he arose it drooped and rested a moment against his cheek, but it was not greeted with the accustomed laughter. Every face was grave. "'I, too, passed by the Trader McElrass cabin,' he rippled in soft, girlish tones, "'and I saw Indians with the sweat running into their eyes "'and their knees shaking with weariness.' I say, I saw Indians groaning under the logs from the store which the trader McElrath is to build, and with my eyes I saw them chopping wood to keep the shaman brown's big house warm through the frost of the long nights. This be squaw work. Never shall the Tanana do that like. We shall be blood brothers to men, not squaws, and the plungit be squaws a deep silence fell and all eyes centered on Quiche. He looked about him carefully, deliberately, full into the face of each grown man. So, he said passionlessly, and so, he repeated, then turned on his heel without further word and passed out into the darkness. Waiting among sprawling babies and bristling wolf-dogs, He threaded the great camp, and on its outskirts came upon a woman at work by the light of a fire. With strings of bark stripped from the long roots of creeping vines, she was braiding rope for the fishing. For some time, without speech, he watched her deft hands bringing law and order out of the unruly mass of curling fibers. She was good to look upon, swaying there to her task, strong-limbed, deep-chested, and with hips made for motherhood and the bronze of her face was golden in the flickering light, her hair blue-black, her eyes jet. O Susu!' he spoke finally. "'Thou hast looked upon me kindly in the days that have gone, and in the days yet young.' "'I looked kindly upon thee, for that thou wert chief of the plungent,' she answered quickly, "'and because thou wert big and strong.' "'Aye, but that was in the old days of the fishing,' she hastened to add." "'before this shaman Brown came and taught thee ill things "'and led thy feet on strange trails. "'But I would tell thee,' she held up one hand "'in a gesture which reminded him of her father. "'Nay, I know already the speech that stirs in thy throat, "'O Kish, and I make answer now. "'It so happeneth that the fish of the water "'and the beasts of the forest bring forth after their kind. "'And this is good. "'Likewise it happeneth to women.' It is for them to bring forth their kind. And even the maiden, while she is yet a maiden, feels the pang of the birth and the pain of the breast and the small hands at the neck. And when such feeling is strong, then does each maiden look about her with secret eyes for the man, for the man who shall be fit to father her kind. So have I felt. So did I feel when I looked upon thee and found thee big and strong, a hunter and fighter of beasts and men, well able to win meat when I should eat for two, well able to keep danger afar off when my helplessness drew nigh. But that was before the day the shaman Brown came into the land and taught thee, But it is not right, Susu, I have it on good work. It is not right to kill, I know what thou wouldst say. Then breed thou after thy kind, the kind that does not kill but come not on such quest among the Tanana, for it is said in the time to come that the raven shall grapple with the wolf. I do not know, for this be the affair of men, but I do know that it is for me to bring forth men against that time. Susu Kish in. thou must hear me. A man would beat me with a stick and make me hear, she sneered, but thou hear. She thrust a bunch of bark into his "'I cannot give thee myself, but this, yes, it looks fittest in thy hands. "'It is squaw work, so braid away.' "'He flung it from him, the angry blood pounding, a muddy path under his bronze. "'One more thing,' she went on. "'There be an old custom which thy father and mine were not strangers to. "'When a man falls in battle, his scalp is to be carried away in token. "'Very good.' But thou who have forsworn the raven must do more. Thou must bring me not scalps but heads, two heads, and then will I give thee not bark, but a brave beaded belt and sheath and long Russian knife. Then will I look kindly upon thee once again, and all will be well. So the man pondered. So, then he turned and passed out through the night. Nay, O Kish, she called after him not two heads, but three at least. But Kish remained true to his conversion, lived uprightly, and made his tribe's people obey the gospel as propounded by Reverend Jackson Brown. Through all the time of the fishing he gave no heed to the Tanana, nor took notice of the sly things which were said, nor of the laughter of the women of the many tribes. After the fishing, Nob and his people, with great store of salmon, sun-dried and smoke-cured, departed for the hunting on the head reaches of the Tanana. Kish watched them go, but did not fail in his attendance at mission service, where he prayed regularly and led the singing with his deep bass voice. The Reverend Jackson Brown delighted in that deep bass voice, and because of his sterling qualities deemed him the most promising convert. McElrath doubted this. He did not believe in the efficacy of the conversion of the heathen, and he was not slow in speaking his mind. But Mr. Brown was a large man in his way, and he argued it out with such convincingness, all of one long fall night, that the trader, driven from position after position, finally announced in desperation, "'Knock out my brains with apples, Brown, if I don't become a convert myself, if quiche holds fast, true blue, for two years!' Mr. Brown never lost an opportunity." So he clinched the matter on the spot, with a virile hand grip, and thenceforth the conduct of Quiche was to determine the ultimate abiding place of McElrath's soul. But there came news one day, after the winter rime had settled down over the land sufficiently for travel. A Tanana man arrived at the St. George mission in quest of ammunition and bringing information that Susu had set eyes on Niku, a nervy young hunter who had bid brilliantly for her by old Nob's fire. It was at about this time that the Reverend Jackson Brown came upon Quiche by the wood trail which leads down to the river. Quiche had his best dogs in the harness, and shoved under the sled lashings was his largest and finest pair of snowshoes. "'Where goest thou, O Quiche? Hunting?' Mr. Brown asked, falling into the Indian manner quiche looked him steadily in the eyes for a full minute then started up his dogs then again turning his deliberate gaze upon the missionary he answered no i go to hell in an open space striving to burrow into the snow as though for shelter from the appalling desolateness huddled three dreary lodges ringed all about a dozen paces away was the somber forest overhead there was no keen blue sky of naked space but a vague, misty curtain, pregnant with snow, which had drawn between. There was no wind, no sound, nothing but the snow and silence, nor was there even the gentle stir of life about the camp. For the hunting party had run upon the flank of the caribou herd, and the kill had been large. Thus, after the period of fasting, had come the plentitude of feasting, and thus in broad daylight they slept heavily under their roofs of moose-hide. By a fire, before one of the lodges, five pairs of snowshoes stood on end in their element, and by the fire sat susu. The hood of her squirrel-skin parka was about her hair and well drawn up around her neck, but her hands were unmittened and nimbly at work with needle and sinew, completing the last fantastic design on a belt of leather faced with bright scarlet cloth. A dog, somewhere at the rear of one of the lodges, raised a short, sharp bark, then ceased as abruptly as it had begun. Once, her father in the lodge at her back gurgled and grunted in his sleep. (laughs) Bad dream, she smiled to herself. He grows old, and that last joint was too much. She placed the last bead, knotted the sinew, and replenished the fire, Then, after gazing long into the flames, she lifted her head to the harsh crunch-crunch of a moccasin foot against the flinty snow granules. Quiche was at her side, bending slightly forward to a load which he bore upon his back. This was wrapped loosely in a soft tanned moose hide, and he dropped it carelessly into the snow and sat down. They looked at each other long and without speech. It is a far-fetch, O Kish," she said at last, a far-fetch from St. George Mission by the Yukon. Aye, he made answer absently, his eyes fixed keenly upon the belt and taking note of its girth. But where is the knife, he demanded. Here, she drew it from inside her parka and flashed its naked length in the firelight. It is a good knife. Give it me, he commanded. Nay, O O'Kish, she laughed. It may be that thou wast not born to wear it. Give it to me, he reiterated without change of tone. I was so born. But her eyes, glancing coquettishly past him to the moose hide, saw the snow about it slowly reddening. It is blood, quiche, she asked. Aye, it is blood. But give me the belt and the long Russian knife. She felt suddenly afraid but thrilled when he took the belt roughly from her thrilled to the roughness she looked at him softly and aware of a pain at the breast and of small hands clutching her throat it was made for a smaller man he remarked grimly drawing in his abdomen and clasping the buckle at the first hole susu smiled and her eyes were yet softer again she felt the soft hands at her throat he was good to look upon and the belt was indeed small made for a smaller man But what did it matter? She could make many belts. But the blood, she asked, urged on by a hope new born and growing. The blood quiche, is it, are they heads? Aye, they must be very fresh, else would the blood be frozen. Aye, it is not cold and they be fresh, quite fresh. Oh, quiche, her face was warm and bright. And for me, aye, for thee, He took hold of a corner of the hide, flirted it open, and rolled the heads out before her. Three, he whispered savagely, nay, four at least. But she sat transfixed. There they lay, the soft-featured Niku, the gnarled old face of Nob, Makamuk grinning at her with his lifted upper lip, and lastly Nasabok, his eyelid up to its old trick, drooped on his girlish cheek in a suggestive wink. There they lay, the firelight flashing upon and playing over them, and from each of them a widening circle dyed the snow to scarlet. Thawed by the fire, the white crust gave way beneath the head of Nob, which rolled over like a thing alive, spun around, and came to rest at her feet. But she did not move. Quiche, too, sat motionless his eyes unblinking, centered steadfastly upon her. Once, in the forest, an overburdened pine dropped its load of snow, and the echoes reverberated hollowly down the gorge. But neither stirred. The short day had been waning fast, and darkness was wrapping round the camp when White Fang trotted up toward the fire. He paused to reconnoitre, but not being driven back, came closer. His nose shot swiftly to the side, nostrils a-tremble and bristles rising along the spine, and straight and true he followed the sudden scent to his master's head. He sniffed it gingerly at first and licked the forehead with his red, lolling tongue. Then he sat abruptly down, pointed his nose up at the first faint star, and raised the long wolf-howl. This brought Susu to herself— she glanced across at Kish, who had unsheathed the Russian knife and was watching her intently. His face was firm and set, and in it she read the law. Slipping back the hood of her parka, she bared her neck and rose to her feet. There she paused and took a long look about her at the rimming forest, at the faint stars in the sky, at the camp, at the snowshoes in the snow, Alas! long comprehensive look at life a light breeze stirred her hair from the side and for the space of one deep breath she turned her head and followed it around until she met it full-faced then she thought of her children ever to be unborn and she walked over to Keish and said i am ready Keish, son of quiche by jack london